Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game. I'm Harry and, as I said, this is episode 13 Unlucky for some, but special for me, because today's episode is a bit of a different one. It's one I've been building up since the very start of the podcast, actually, uh, way back in the start of this year. So um, you've done all right, actually, in terms of number of podcasts, actually. So I think it was February that I uh, started uh, mentioning things and uh, started arranging Lord of the Imps, uh, which is the tournament I've organised, um, uh, which is based in my uh, home county of Lincolnshire and the city I live in, Lincoln. So, uh, all very exciting. So this uh, podcast will be a little different to the usual podcasts in the sense that, although I'll be talking about tournaments and um, uh, uh, talking to people playing the game it will be a little different because I'm the one running it so uh, I'll have nobody to talk to in terms of uh, TOs apart from uh, sort of talking to myself which is what I usually do anyway um, uh, to sort of get an idea about the tournament so I'll be doing a bit of a rundown of what the tournament is instead and I'm not going to focus on who wins this tournament Um, and this is because um, I kind of want to focus on a little bit of a different uh, angle of the tournament and see it from the tournament organisers perspective um, and how all the all the things come together um, and organizing prizes and all that sort of stuff because I, th- I think if you've ever organized a tournament you'll know it can, especially big ones it can be really really difficult uh, to get some things together it can be a lot more work than than you expect behind the scenes so um, you know it, even not making a tournament on the scale of something like Ardacon where you've got hundreds of people coming from around the world just doing a few dozen or even less you know even doing a dozen uh, players arranging places arranging lunch getting it make sure everyone's happy and knows what's going on can be pretty tricky so uh, i'm going to do all of that uh, talk through all of these things so uh, but we'll also get some games um I suspect I'm going to have to be roped in to uh, play some ringer games at some point during the tournament. Um, I know there are a, uh, there's one guy who's uh, been in touch and said that he can't uh, can't play the first day of the tournament. So uh, I'll be playing some games, but the second day of the tournament, hoping to not have to do that. So fingers crossed, we should be okay. Um, I foolishly, foolishly um, haven't got a ringer um, uh, a ringer to play uh, as a volunteer. Um, I did have one init- initially, and then they've dropped out as well. So uh, it's all gone wrong. Uh, not really, but uh, it's it's a shame. But um, hey ho, these things happen. One of the first things I probably should get onto is that. But I'll talk about um, that in a second about volunteers because in the meantime, um, I want to discuss the event pack um, because I know a lot of people don't read them. Some people do, um, but uh, this one in particular, uh, I want to just talk about how I put it together and all that sort of stuff. So that is rather than uh, building an army worthy for Mordor, we'll get, be building an. Um, uh, we'll be building a tournament pack. Uh, worthy of Mordor. Ask Build me a army worthy of Mordor. So on that, uh, 700 points is the uh, figure I chose, and I chose that because it seemed about right for the length of time that I had initially uh, panned out. Um, also, you can get some big stuff in there. You can get some uh, so on, uh, big heroes, and also you can have a you know a good mixture of some of the uh, thematic armies like your Thorin Company and and um, the Fellowship. Really can't do lower than 700. So that's what I plumped with. Um, and I decided I want to make something different about this. So I plumped with the title Lord of the Imps. And um, the reason for Imps is because Lincoln 
uh, and Lincolnshire in general, uh, its logo is an imp. And this is all because of a, um, a, a sort of folk tale, which um, I will just, I'll give you a, a summary of what I'm reading uh, I'll, from what I put in the event pack. Uh, basically, I've said, um, if you're reading this, you made the first step towards a weekend of war in the historic city of Lincoln, represented by its mascot, a trickster imp. Uh, the event's worth 80 points in the Great British Hobbit League, um, so that's worth noting. 80 points is usually um, sort of less um, competitive events, uh, the 100 points. So the winner of this gets 80 points towards the league. Uh, the most competitive events have 100 points towards the league, just in case you didn't know. Uh, there's prizes. I go into prizes and the location. So the price, I did an early bird offer. So £30 um, uh, for lunch on both days after the first month, £25 um, for the first month so um, I've played for tournaments that are more than that um, that have had food and less than that that uh, that haven't had food so I thought well I, I worked it out and I thought I'd, I'd be able to manage it and break even and all that sort of stuff so um, and but I did say that I could fit 40 that was the max uh, for the venue which was the uh, Imps Gaming in Lincoln um, which I it's my local club um, I've been slowly building a league with numerous people about um uh, uh, the Lord of the Imps logo league so I wanted to do it close to home for my own convenience and of course to help uh, gather some people into the tournament which really worked so I've got, I think about, got about 10 people in it in the end anyway carrying on through the event pack I mentioned prizes so uh, I didn't detail what they were just in case lots of uh, there weren't very many people who turned up so I've just said something awesome something kick-ass and something pretty sweet um, for the first uh, second and third prizes plus a certificate um, Best Army, something thematic and fun. Uh, best Painted Miniature, something to help with your next paint job. Um, a, a random place finisher, something random. And a wooden spoon of glory for last place, of course. Also, I've decided to include uh, uh, winners of the Seize the Imp scenario, a scratch-built objective marker, which uh, I'll go into in a bit. So, uh, that's, that's the general stuff. And also I said uh, there'll be a game of Middle Earth SPG Bingo on Saturday night after a pub, which is great. So, um, all of that, that's pretty simple. Um, then we go into a bit more detail uh, for the events pack, or the general stuff. So, the games is the next stuff. This is, uh, this is the tricky bit. So, it's um, 700 points, as I mentioned, and they must be painted three colours and based, um, which I know sometimes people don't like this, but... I decided that that's it's kind of the only way I'll, I like to run things because I want to see painted models. I want to see people playing properly and you know doing everything uh, in the sense that it's more immersive. And I want to see people putting an effort in, um, not just rocking up with a load of toy soldiers they've glued together. Um, so that's that's the start. Seven hundred points, and you must choose an army leader in the normal way, and you must choose also choose a lieutenant. Uh, I've put the rules, this will be the hero with the second highest tier, or uh, if there are multiple of the highest tier, then you can uh, uh, you can choose, obviously. Um, and the lieutenant can be the same hero tier as the leader. So, you've got a lieutenant, but why? Why, you may ask. On day one, uh, you will use your 700-point army as chosen above, using the current rules. But on day two, your leader will have succumbed to the curse of the imp and died your lieutenant automatically becomes the army's leader. And then you replace the leader's warband and or uh, add warriors and heroes to fill the points value vacated by the leader. So in, in essence, you lose a warband on day two, so you're left with a black hole of X amount of points, and you can fill that in with either heroes, um, uh, either a hero and a second um, warband, 
Um, or if you're a little bit light on warbands anyway, maybe you could throw a troll into one warband or something like that uh, to fill up the points. So you don't need to add extra heroes, but I think most people did looking at the army lists. So I've given examples of things like, uh, say you've got uh, King Elisar, Faramir, uh, Baragon and some warriors. Um, you, Elisar has to be the leader, he's here of legend. Faramir becomes a lieutenant because he is uh, the second highest tier. Then the second army, day two, you can have Faramir. You have to have him as the leader on day two because he's the lieutenant. And then you can have Baragond and then maybe add Captain, Madril and loads more warriors because you've lost a big gap of points for King Elisar. Uh, another example was uh, you can start with Celeborn as a leader, uh, Aemir as a lieutenant, Gambling and Warriors. Um, and then day two, um, you could use, uh, you're losing Celeborn. So you might go with Aemir as leader and then Gambling and just fill out those warbands because I'm imagining you're not going to get enough Warriors in the Elves and uh, uh, Riders Rohan to fill out those two uh, warbands. So you can go from being a Green Alliance, Celeborn, Aemir and Gambling to being a, a, a just a pure Rohan army. So interesting stuff. Um, there were a few queries and questions about this. I think it was fairly straightforward. Um, a couple of people were asking, can I, for example, do the Fellowship of the Ring? Um, because that's one warband. Um, I said, yes, you can do Fellowship of the Ring as long as you carry on doing Fellowship of the Ring the second day, i.e. Gandalf leads it the first day, he dies. Second day, you've got the Fellowship of the Ring and perhaps something like Haldir or whatever um, to uh, add to it. Not go Gandalf first day, day two, um, you go with something completely different because you've lost the whole warband. Um, other question was, can I have a um, Mahud army um, with a king on one day one and then replace it with a king on day two and I, I I didn't like it but I was asked this on the day before the event or the couple of days before the event so I thought well I, I'll let you have it I'll let you have it Joe I think it was Joe because um, you know I, I didn't want to scupper his plans but um, I think he, he he spoke to one of his friends and, and thought oh actually I'm not sure whether I can do this uh, so there you go uh, so that's the idea. So this was, uh, and I think this really attracted a lot of people to the tournament because ultimately it, it just adds so many different ways of trying to build filthy lists. You know, I, I said you've got to be green. Uh, uh, you you can't change the um, uh, you can't change the sort of alliance uh, the matrix. I can't remember. I can't remember the alliance anyway. You can't change your colour. Um, so you can't go from green to red, um, but you might be able to go from say red to red. But nobody did a red in the end. Um, a few people came up with some good ideas but then didn't turn up <laughs> so there you go um i've also i've also chosen the to- uh, the the um, scenarios for the tournament as well so i used um domination to the death lords of battle or hold ground so that's either or randomly decided on the day and recon or to the death randomly decided on the day um so that's oh and also contest of champions and two custom scenarios so the idea um, behind the uh, randomly deciding those two is that it, it it's hoped that you will it will um, it will mean that people bring a big variety of armies um, that are catering for things and it isn't too much uh, relying on luck. Um, I think in retrospect, having look, looking back at it, I should have done Lords of Battle or Hold Ground, and then depending on which one of those is chosen the other will be the case for uh, the the other one so for example lords of battle is killia is something that benefits killia armies hold ground is more sort of hoardy things so if you've got a 
I don't know if you've got the uh, the champions available or whatever, and that's quite good in Lords of Battle, but um, not as good in Hold Ground, I guess, because there's not as many models. So the second one, I should have cha- made sure that if Lords of Battle is in the first one, uh, that it has to be Recon in the second one. So, um, but I think in which because uh, we did roll and it ended up being um, uh, both. I can't remember which way around it was. Both Hold Ground and Recon, I think it was. Um, so there you go there's the scenarios you got those uh so i mentioned seize the imp and the imp's curse so let's uh have a bit of a gander at those scenarios um i was just just quickly add it was tournament points were awarded as follows three for a win one for a draw zero for a loss um and an additional three tournament points were awarded for uh the person with the most sportsmanship votes uh at the end of the end of the game uh the end of the tournament so that is uh, a big big one but i want to reward people who are being nice um so because it makes a big difference um and two tournament points go to second place uh, it's most sportsmanship and one tournament uh, point to the third place uh, as it happened uh, i said uh, in the case of ties no one will receive second and third place and that's exactly what happened so it was only one person who got the sportsmanship uh, which i believe was tom pottage congratulations tom who also ended up with the wooden spoon excellent um and also uh, you get um uh, you got some points for uh, the, the sort of theming and stuff like that so uh, anyway so the 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 custom scenario was the seize the imp so uh, in a green dragon style a scenario spotlight i'll uh, run through this one seize the imp it's commonly told that the Lincoln Imp was sent by Satan to cause havoc in the city's historic cathedral, but it was caught by a troop of angels and turned into stone. Uh, and I go on to say, but they were all of them deceived for another trickster imp was sent into the wilderness of Middle-earth to cause chaos among the free peoples and servants of evil alike. Two opposing armies happen across the hated imp and wish to take it home to their homeland as a trophy. But it's a sneaky little thing. Capturing it won't be easy. So Seize the Imp is exactly the same as Seize the Prize from the main Middle-earth rulebook, with a few minor alterations. Primarily, rather than digging up an artefact, you'll be waking up an imp. The imp, uh, initially it works the same way as digging up the prize. An infantry model in base contact with the imp rolls a d6. On a 4+, plus, it wakes up. Only one model per side may attempt to do this, um, so that's fine. Um, so yeah, no, no, no sort of flapping around and uh, doing it with fell beasts and stuff like that. Uh, but if successful, the imp is woken up and in, is in an irritable state, needs subduing. Uh, so you've got a profile, fight profile for the imp, which is four, move four, fight two, strength two, defense two, attacks one, uh, no will, uh, sorry, no wounds, um, courage ten. Um, you fight the imp in combat as if you'd charged it. So, um, you know, you can't do it with a, a cavalry model uh, straight away anyway. But if you win, it's captured. If you lose, it's free to strike and then cause havoc the next turn. And if that happens... Um, it goes on the run, which is another special rule, imp on the run. If the imp is awake and has not been captured, it may make a move before any other models on the table. The imp always moves its full four inches in a random direction. Uh, we used scatter dice for that. Uh, ignoring any difficult terrain or models. It can't end its move in terrain, and nor can it end its move in a model's control zone. If either of these happen, move it to the closest available location. And another little random uh, rule for this after priority, this is the trickster imp rule. After priority, but before movement, if your model is in possession of the imp, you must roll a dice. 
On a 3+, the imp remains in captivity. On a 1 or 2, the imp has tricked its captor into releasing it, so treat the imp as being on the run immediately. So it moves off, jumps out the bag, runs away. Uh, but you can use might or will to alter this role. You cannot pass the imp to another model. Uh, so there you go. And if your army is in possession of the imp at the end of the game, you can keep a custom-made imp objective marker. So there you go. That's what it did. So that's scenario one. Um, so I might as well do a little bit of review of this scenario, first of all. Um, because I was pretty happy with uh, how it went generally. There are a few queries about if two people fight it at the same time. I decided that you've got to, um, the, the person who charged it first gets to fight it first and gets to take it away from the other one. Um, that's what I decided. Um, I, d I thought three-way combats are going to be far too complicated. Um, and I can't remember, there might have been some other rules about it, but uh, rules queries about it. But generally, it seemed to work quite well. Um, the reason behind the scenario is that seize the prize is irritating because um, eagles flap in, take it, and then flap away, and then it's kind of the end of the game. Um, I did make a balls up, really. I, I was persuaded by Jasmine, who helped me in a great deal uh, with, uh, with the rules, um, who you've heard on the podcast a couple of times before. Um, I, I, she advised me that maybe uh, it's too random having a one or two, so you can use might or will to alter it. And I thought... Yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. Um, so I decided to add the might and will. But um, the problem was Guai here flopped in um, and took the objective. And that was that for uh, for one person, Michael. Um, so bless him. He lost in that way. And I can't remember who it was. I think it was uh, Matt Tullock uh, who did that. So well done to them. That was good. But uh, they used the might uh, or will to alter it because they had might or will on the model. So there you go. So that's one scenario. Another scenario um, we've done is the imp's curse. And this was actually all Jasmine's idea um, because Jasmine wanted a reason to... Um, uh, to to do the, the, the kind of losing your warband after day one. So uh, here we go, another scenario. Scenario, the imp's curse. An encounter with an imp isn't easily forgotten. You are no different. The trickster imp placed a curse on your general after the first game, which left them befuddled. They now find themselves separated from the rest of their army and on the wrong side of their foe. Luckily, you aren't the only one cursed. So, both players roll a d6, player with the highest result chooses a side and places their leader and warband within six inches of the centre, but then the opposite half to the side they've chosen. So, uh, you're on one side and you deploy off-centre on the other side of the board. So, um, and then that the same happens with the opposing, uh, opposing army. So, basically, you've got your army divided off um, and you're trapped between uh, two deployment uh, zones. So... Uh, this is quite interesting. It just gives you that that sort of downside for the leader, and they have to fight it uh, fight it out. So this is very exciting, very exciting, um, and also gives a reason for the imp die, uh, the uh, the uh, leader dying. So uh, just a couple of objectives. Uh, it's once the force has been broken, uh, it might suddenly end on a one or two. It's a random end. Um, uh, also, I did put a little special rule in there that the leader is so confused by the imp shenanigans that it continues to fight beyond what may be considered wise. Your general auto passes stand fast tests. Yeah, just thought that was good. Um, your score, uh, you score three victory points causing one or more wounds on the enemy leader. If you kill the enemy leader, you score five. Uh, you score one for causing a wound on the enemy lieutenant and three for killing the lieutenant and two for breaking and four for being uh, breaking the enemy and being unbroken. So there you go. That's all the scores. Uh, that's all the scenarios. That's what it all set up like. So I was really happy with how this all panned out because um, it's just... 
it, it came together really nicely. Um, it took a bit of effort to write it all in the first instance, but in general, I think it just it just felt it, it just felt like something different. Um, and I would have loved to have played in this tournament, and, and you know, I, I actually didn't end up in the end uh, playing uh, in the tournament. So um, it's. It, it, it's just I, I think that it just adds some little little things that that make building an army fun um so I think it adds something great fun for the um competitive players because it means that you can really come up with some um uh, shonky lists where you know you've got a leader that's potentially powerful but then dies and then you have to have someone who's powerful enough to play the first game on the second day which is contest of champions so uh it's interesting it's interesting stuff. Um, I think a few people went with things like Denethor and stuff like that uh, for the first day, but then of course Denethor uh, might have struggled in that last scenario. This is the uh, the sorry the Imp's Curse one. So lots of interesting stuff going on there. Um, um, so I hope that that gives you some idea an idea about the tournament um, and how it sort of panned out. So um, I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go from here into um, some feedback about the tournament uh, on my own uh, uh, from my own perspective and uh, about about what happened uh, uh, in the run-up to the tournament and the organisation side of things. So just before we go into everything uh, properly, I'm going to just give you a quick rundown of um, some of the breakdown of the armies that uh, came to the tournament, because I know uh, people really enjoyed the, um, the the charts that I put up on Great British Hobbit League, so I just thought I'd uh, waz these out and just give you a bit of a breakdown. So um, it turns out eight evil armies came and um, about 19 uh, good armies came. Um, I had to make up the numbers with the ringer and stuff like that, but either way... Um, big big percentage uh, to good 70% of the armies here were good so I guess that just shows the the power of good these days evil really uh, struggling I guess and in particular I think in this tournament which is you know built around the idea of having big heroes die and all this sort of stuff uh, there's just more choice isn't there for um, for evil armies so uh, less uh, sorry less choice for evil armies so so there you go that's the first thing and then we've got um, if I just uh, open up the other tab then we've got a breakdown of the army lists in general. Now, so I've divided these up into um, into sort of factions, but I've also um, done uh, a random kind of uh, uh, alliances as well because there are a few people who came with uh, alliances. So I'll just quickly run through the, what we've got. Um, but it's quite it's uh, it's quite a lot. But um, we've got uh, Rivendell and White Council, Rivendell and Wanderers, um, which I chose because they came with a, a different uh, different hero on two days so first day they had Gwai here second day they had uh, Tom Bombadil excellent um, then uh, we've got uh, a few more, there's another Rivendell, I think there's more Rivendells generally, um, then we've got a big chunk of Mordor, so three Mordor armies uh, we've got three Khazadum armies, which I was quite surprised by actually um, uh, that was quite good um, we've got um, two Angmar armies four Minas Tirith armies um, we've got Hunter uh, Azog and Dark Denizians alliance so that was uh, that was all the all the sort of um, 
ring wraiths, the the ones that pop around, um, and some blood of hundred orcs and stuff. Uh, we've got army of thrall, big heroes there, so that's good. Got Erebor reclaimed, similar sort of idea. Uh, Rohan, only one of those. Um, the Mahud one I mentioned earlier. Uh, um, uh, we actually, we had four Kazadom armies, Lothlorien as well. Uh, so there's a bit of a mixture in there. So only one Isengard army, uh, one Thranduil Halls. So you know, we actually got a really good mixture of stuff. But the the, the main ones there, the big big uh, alliances were were Rivendell, um, which had in total, including the alliances, uh, four uh, four armies, I believe, or is it three? I think it's just three. Um, but then Minas Tirith had four. So Se- you know, seven armies of uh, divided those, and then Kazadum had three. So, so you know, if you combine those three together, that, that's that's a, uh, sorry four as well. So, um, so you know, big 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 groups there. So we've got uh, you know, four Kazadum, four Minas Tirith, and three uh, Rivendell. That's that's I guess that just shows the power of those th- those four armies, in particular in this one uh, where there's a lot of hero hero related content. So there you go. Now, as I said, I, I said I would uh, talk a bit about the um, organisation of the tournament because I'd imagine uh, not many people probably know uh, as much uh, work goes into these things as as, uh, as you'd think because, I, I mean, I know I'm, I'm, I'm used to going to lots of tournaments and, I, you know, I've arranged events in the past for, uh, for work and my own things. Um, so it's so you do realise how much work goes into it, but um, it, it's, it, I think I thought, oh, this will be easy. But there's a lot more pressure than I thought um, uh, I've, I was going to get. Um, not not necessarily from people deliberately, but just like the pressure you put on yourself to make it a success. So um, I, I started in February writing the events pack and, and I went to the Great British Hobbit League um, coordinators and asked them, can I be part of the league? Can I make this an event a part of the league? Um, and what do I need to do to do that? So I went through those stages because in order to be part of the league, you have to pay a little fee so that they can buy a prize for the final uh, final um, final of the tournament and for the winner of the league. Um, so I did that and. Then we uh, arranged that, and we sort of had to find our date, and had to work it out with the club, and all this sort of stuff. So there's a lot of wrangling in the early stages just to arrange a date that works, and the, the calendar, which I really wanted to do because I wanted people from around the country to come. Otherwise, um, it, we might as well have just organised it at home and not bothered with the league. So, so I, there was a lot of wrangling between the the gaming club and saying, "Oh yeah, no, there's a 40k event that weekend, so we can't do that one." Um, we, and I said, "Oh well, what about this one?" They said, "Well," uh, and then I, I went back to the league and they. Said, oh no, you can't do that one. That's the uh, London GT for uh, Middle, uh, Middle Earth, so you can't do that. So, so it was a bit of a back and forth, which which kind of surprised me, I suppose, because um, I know the calendar is relatively full for the GBHL, but you know uh, you don't want to clash too much, especially um, if there's something going on in your region. So. Uh, that was that was a, a, initially a lot more difficult, and then then it was about uh, you know had to do the event pack and get that all approved by the people at the the league. So that was fine. That was uh, that was passed relatively quickly. There were only a couple of minor, uh, think I think only a couple of spelling mistakes or something like that. But no one really queried the scenarios or anything. So that was fine. Um, and then from there, it's just right. Get it out there. Do your advertising, and and I was kind of left to myself to do that. I mean, um, I'm lucky. I've got a podcast in some ways, but. Uh, and I've, I know a fair few people in the league now already because just because I've been playing for a, a, a quite a lot in the last year or so. Um, but it was kind of left down to me. What you know, there was a. Uh, it's on the calendar. That's the advertising you get as part of the league. You don't get anything else. There's no sort of uh, uh, GBHL uh, Hobbit League f- uh, advertising board, or you know, nobody's 
doing videos anymore to say here's what's coming up on the league and all this sort of stuff so so it did feel like oh okay uh, i've got to i've got to get a load of people here uh, otherwise i'm gonna be down down on my luck in terms of uh, how many people have uh, how much money i paid for the tournament uh, and stuff because it was it was pretty costly um and it was a bit of an outlay because i was saying right i can get uh, 30 they said well we don't really want to close the club for too many people so uh for too, too few people so uh, you know we've got to get a certain number there and i was like well i can do 40 potentially uh and then i thought oh that might be too many so 30 and then we were like well okay we'll, can, well, we'll see somewhere in between there that'll be fine uh, and then you know it's decided that we settled on a and a sort of fixed rate of uh, uh, ten pound per person per day uh, per tournament so uh, five pounds per day basically to use the tables the terrain and all that sort of stuff so you know once you get into four, 40 people that's a big outlay of 400 quid um but either way it was quite expensive but then of course i'll get most of that back with the um with the tickets anyway so um that was fine and then it was down to arranging um food and things like that so so it just had to make sure i sold these tickets so i I started advertising i started posting up on the facebook page and building up a bit of a small hype around it putting the event pack in and i had a lot of people who were really keen on coming um, but then nobody like not nobody but very few people paid um early on and um I, I was getting worried because i had about 35 people who were saying that they were going to come to the tournament uh within a month maybe maybe two months and i thought oh this is brilliant i don't really need to do much about it but of course only sort of 10 of those paid early on and, and thank you to those who did um who paid initially um but then, of course, I've got a big reserve list of people, so I'm like, oh, I don't know, do I, uh, do I sort of say you've got X amount of time before you pay, and then do I say you, I, no reserves anymore, or I, I don't know, because if I've reserved these places for these people, and then, um, you know, and then they all drop out at the last minute, and I haven't advertised to anyone else, then what's going to happen? So, so there's all these sorts of questions that that circle through your head because the last thing you want is for like you know a good 20 people or something to drop out at the last minute when you've already invested money in uh prizes or whatever and uh, and you know you haven't got enough time to recoup that um the those numbers so so in, in the end i sort of you know i had to go on a sort of pestering uh, mission to some of these people to say oh look are you coming are you not um are you going to pay when are you going to pay all this sort of stuff and that felt like a bit like a tax collector which i hated it i felt really awkward because on the one hand you don't want to lose a load of money um I, I you know i don't mind spending money on the tournament i don't mind um you know investing money and you know making a little bit of a loss but when it comes to hundreds of pounds it's like okay this is uh, <laughs> i can't afford this so uh, i was i was willing to make a loss of you know a uh, uh, hundred pound maybe tops um because that's kind of how much i'll end up spending on a, spending on a weekend going away to a tournament with hotels and tickets and food and all that sort of stuff so i thought well okay if i lose 100 quid that's fine i don't mind i'll have fun um but yeah, I don't want to be losing hundreds. So, so as it beca- you become a tax collector, I feel like the sheriff of Nottingham, sort of knocking on people's doors and you know, uh, uh, and and trying to get um, extract money and all this sort of stuff. Um, but anyway, so that was probably the hardest bit. Um, so I think in the future, so a bit of advice for tournament organisers that in the future, I definitely recommend um, no reserves, pay up. You know, pay up for and guarantee your place. Uh, if you can, you know, or maybe have a deposit system where you pay, you know, a tenner in uh, uh, in the first instance, which is kind of, you know, uh, refundable to an ex- uh, up to a short amount before. So say if I started it in February, which I did, you know, you pay a tenner now 
uh, you keep your, your ticket until you know two months before the event where you have to have to pay up. So that 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 I thought was fine. I don't know whether maybe because it was so far in advance that people reserved it in the hope that they might be able to make it and then couldn't. Um, I don't know. The way I do it is I if I reserve something, I I make sure I've got that weekend free because I've arranged my weekend around that. So I know things change. You know, you might have something really important come up and so on, but. That's the way I do it. So I, I, I thought other people would do it, uh, but clearly not. So, uh, yeah, it's given me a lot of respect for TOs for when I'm certainly conscious about paying uh, paying for tournaments in a, in a prompt time, prompt and timely manner, you know. I, I would I, just just to make it easy on people, the stress that people go through. You know, if it's for Ardacon or something like that, there's obviously a, a proper payment system now. But for big events like Ardacon or uh, the the scouring of Stockport or what is the desolation of Stockport. Um, you know, you really, really gotta gotta settle up your orders, guys. Because you, when there's a you're relying on a hundred people to turn up to a tournament, you know, you could be spending thousands. You know, a hundred people. You know, if it's a tenor like mine, that would be a thousand people, a thousand pounds outlay. And if you're, uh, you know, this is somebody who's you know doing organising this tournament for your your benefit, uh, and you're not paying up. Um, then they're down a thousand pounds until that happens. And you know, not everyone has cash flow for that. I, I was lucky that the uh, the venue said, "Well, we don't have to pay up until, uh, pay until you know the day, basically." And um, so that was lucky. But either way, there's a lot of stress and worry that the the, the club might might say, "Well, sorry, guy, you know, you said said uh, you said three hundred quid, and we could have had loads of other stuff going on today instead." So you know, uh, you gotta you gotta do this anyway. So I'm kind of rambling around this point, but either way, uh, uh, pay up, <laughs> pay up, everyone. That was the first thing I found out. Then uh, lists, lists. Now this list is a big, big deal. So lists, um, especially with my army, um, I wanted people to send a list uh, because uh, my tournament. Sorry, I wanted people to send a, a list well in advance because um, a you'll be sending two lists. B there's weird rules to make it more complicated for you, and C um, I just I just wanted to make sure everything was fine and made sense so that I didn't have to worry about it on the week of the tournament because I knew there'd be other stuff that I'd have to deal with on the week of the tournament and I was right so um, list um, I know some, uh, I know that y- y- you can get away with it I'm, I'm, I'm bad at this too I sometimes forget to send a list or I go oh it's fine I'll, I, I, I know I know the game the, the tournament organiser knows I know the game so you know it's fine I won't bother sending a list or I'll give them on the day or whatever but for this one I think it was, it's worth reading the event pack this one in particular was a bit complicated um, and some people were getting it wrong, so it was it was kind of important. I thought that um, that you know you, you you handed your your list in. So if people uh, are doing an, a normal seven hundred point list for a normal tournament, then yeah, maybe maybe you don't need to hand it all in advance. But equally, um, people are paying for a tournament, and they're paying for a tournament organizer to check your lists and make sure everything's fair, so they don't have to worry about it uh, when you've got a minute between games. So um, I think that that you really should send them in just to give people that chance to balance things out um, the last thing you want to be doing when you've got two hours to play a game and you know you've got just had a two minute break because your last game went to time um, is to read through someone's list check that the points are right check that the heroes are the right um, you know Values or whatever I don't know, like they've paid for the right Kelleborn, which is is easy to do if you've got. You say you go Kelleborn and you forget that he hasn't got the armor as standard, and same with Haldir, stuff like that. Um, so it's worth noting these things, and a few few little errors did come up like that. You know, um, the way the the army was uh, the uh, rules pack were listed meant that some people did have to change a couple of times just to just to get it right. 
So there you go. That's point number two. Um, a little less meandering there. But either way, send in your lists. Just do it. it, it I mean... Have it, have it at least a week in advance. I, I try, you know, or at least whenever the tournament organizer says it's okay. Uh, if it's a less complicated tournament, fair enough. But something like this, or an escalation event, or whatever, yeah, please send it in. So the next thing that was really difficult was food and event uh, and sort of uh, evening events, because I wanted to do something like the, the, my favorite tournaments that I've been to. And um, the favourite tournaments I've been to have all had some kind of evening activity, whether it's you know uh, having pizzas arrive and having a few uh, bevies at um, Element Games in Stockport, uh, going out for a meal in town, or or you know having a wander around the corner, um, going to a nice pub in the countryside, or whatever it is. Um, lots of the uh, the fun and the social element of tournaments happens on those evenings, and if you've got a load of people together, um, I kind of like I like the fact that you can play a game with someone for two hours and have a laugh or, you know, have a quite a tense game and then um, bond after that over a pint of beer, over a, a burger or whatever. Um, so that was my favourite thing of the, the tournaments in the past. So I think, right, OK, I'm going to make sure I've done that. But of course, the venue I've chosen and the only venue I can actually afford um, that's useful with terrain is that is one that's a little bit out of town so I was kind of worried about that so you know I booked a pub and and then the pub didn't respond to my messages to get the orders in and all this sort of stuff so uh you know I I think it went okay though I I I it, it was a little last minute where people had to put the food orders in the last few days um for the evening just to make sure that food delivery was okay but actually it all worked out fine when everyone turned up at the pub at half seven um we had a good hour between the last game and that so everyone got a chance to go to the hotels and and um uh, and then go to the pub afterwards with plenty of time, which I was really concerned about because in the past I've rushed to a hotel, checked in because it was check-in time that was too, uh, that ended at 10, 10 p.m. or something and I knew it would be out until after that. So, you know, there was loads of time to do that sort of stuff. And then I did uh, the, the pub, the food order worked, worked fine and we had a quiz, which was great. I did the quiz, uh, SPG Bingo, uh, which was... Uh, a little bit chaotic because uh, I, the idea of the, the SBG Middle Earth Bingo was basically that uh, you come up with uh, a grid. I've got a grid. I'll give you a grid. You come up with the characters from Middle Earth, uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, and I ask you questions and you cross out your characters and try and get bingo. Um, I ended up having to conjure questions on the spot because I did too many squares in the grid and there are far too many characters in Middle-earth um, to do it. But I, I, I tricked some people um, with some uh, tricky questions, which was good. So um, that was fun. But anyway, so that was Saturday. Um, so food and, and evening entertainment all went relatively well. But I do think that if you're organising a tournament, you really should do it. You should do Saturday evening entertainment because A, you get to spend more time with the people that you've just been uh, sort of... TOing, I guess uh, the people you've been helping play games, facilitating that fun. Um, but B, everyone else gets to have a bit of more downtime because games can get tense. You know, um, you can have really friendly games and you can have some really tense close games, and um, it's just nice to have a beer over and chew chew the fat. Uh, afterwards and just make sure you know make sure there are no hard feelings if you absolutely smash someone's army and all that sort of stuff so that's uh that's one of the uh, main things i did and i did food or lunch for lunch as well and i just did like uh, catering trays and stuff uh sandwich a couple of sandwiches a wrap and a, sam- a packet of crisps each i just thought people don't want to be uh, if it's far away from town people don't want to be walking too far for uh for food especially if there wasn't much time but that worked fine. I don't didn't weren't very many complaints about food. So there was one guy who was uh, gluten intolerant. He didn't tell me. Um, 
I don't know why he didn't tell me, but that's okay. He he said it was fine. I'm just fussy anyway. So anyway, uh, there you go. So that's that's that. Um, and I guess I guess that's pretty much all of the the main qualms I have. I guess oh, planning uh, issues. The the other the other thing was uh, I suppose prizes. Um, there's always a big debate about prizes at tournament. Um, you know, you're spending a lot of money coming a fair distance. Uh, if you're really competitive, you want to be winning. I guess the tournament just for tournament's sake, but also it's nice to go home with something nice. So I ordered a Forge World loot crate. Uh, not look forward to world, sorry, a, uh, a wetter workshop loot crate. So there was a, a few goodies in that, um, which was quite pricey, but I thought, you know, they're quite quite special. You know, these are unique uh, things that you don't seem to be able to actually get on uh, on the wetter workshop website, or certainly not if you're uh, in the UK and don't want to spend a ludicrous amount of postage for one item. So uh, that was pretty cool. I had, I think, really lovely Hobbiton tea towel. I had other stuff. Um, and I also had a load of Games Workshop stuff just because I know that people um, end up selling stuff on if they don't like them. So I thought, well, get a load of made-to-order stuff. So you've got the Breaking of the Fellowship, which is made-to-order, which is worth a lot of money now. You know, that if it's uh, if it's an exclusive or uh, an out-of-production model, then, hey, that's perfect. So I did that. Um, and I think people were generally happy with them. Did some certificates. Uh, one person in the uh, survey that I did afterwards said uh, it was nice to see. Uh, it would be nice to see trophies. Fair enough. Um, I personally don't care about trophies that much, so maybe that's why I did it that way. But I did say in the uh, in the first instance that it was going to be um, certificates, and I put them in little frames and stuff, so that was better than perhaps uh, it could have been. So uh, that's pretty much it in terms of organisation, I think. I'm trying to rack my brains of any other issues that uh, happened early on, but um, I think that's it really. It's just plugging our way at it, I guess. It'd be nice if the uh, Great British Hobbit League had some sort of, um, I guess, official advertising policy, um, because it's just a Facebook page at the moment, and if you post up a link to your event, the guarantee is low that you're actually going to get people seeing it. Uh, people do search in the calendar and find what events are where and all that sort of stuff so that helps but but it'd be cool to have like a proper advertising thing rather than just a one random facebook facebook post so i did a few things like i did a video and i did a uh, i've been mentioning it on the podcast and stuff like that so i hoped that people um didn't get annoyed by that especially if you're abroad but anyway i think um that pretty much covers all the detail that that i can possibly go into about the organization of the event um i guess on the day um i would definitely definitely have a um have a a, a volunteer who supports the event um just for ring uh, for a ringer basically because as much as it's it's just inputting data um while you're playing games and you know adding things together i think that i think that you really need someone to circulate and just you know say hello to everyone make sure everything's going well um, and just check check the people who are enjoying themselves and check people that are no issues and you get a flavour from people um, you know if they're enjoying themselves or if there's a particular issues with like terrain or you know playing tables twice or you know anything really or rules queries that that perhaps they didn't find think were uh, worth popping over to the TO for you know it's just nice to have a window window around so so there you go that's that's the uh, quite lengthy ramble about the uh, the tournament itself. Um, I, I, I think I'm, I've probably done all this backwards in some weird way. But either way, um, that's, that's, that's the, the, the preamble to the tournament. So that means that it's now time to head over to uh, day, uh, uh, day one of Lord of the Imps, uh, where 
sadly, uh, someone didn't turn up, as I mentioned earlier, um, and I had to play some games. So uh, now probably uh, over to what you actually were interested in, hearing about... Um, about uh, about some of the games of the tournament so uh, have a few games then we'll have a break uh, do middle earth strategy battle bingo overnight then uh, what we'll do is we'll have a bit of a running commentary of how the uh, event goes uh, after the ringer uh, ringer decides to uh, to fold and uh, enjoy himself uh, for one one round i was hoping to do a tournament slightly different hoping to do some commentary of lots of different games but sadly um uh, ringing came in uh, into play so uh, so here we go without further ado let's head over to the tournament and play game number one I'm already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! That's one hour remaining. One hour remaining in the Lord of the Imps. So game one, as the ringer having to step in uh, at the last minute, I've uh, brought conjured up an army uh, from Mordor and uh, Sauron, Witch King with oh how much do I say seventeen will, uh, the crown and uh, Shelob as well. So uh, a bit of a monster mash. Um, and I'm playing against Sean. And just to, to tell me, Sean, uh, what's in your army? Um, so I've been playing with Kazadum all year, um, and so I brought Durin, King's Champion. Uh, captain and then 12, 12 each of Iron Guard, Khazard Guard. Now uh, the the format of the the tournament is a bit unusual. And um, on day two, you lose Durin sadly uh, to the Imp's Curse. Um, what what are you going to change about your list tomorrow? Um, so I, I lose the the big hard hitting hero, and I'm, I've no idea if the King's Champion can can step in for him. Um, so I thought I'd try something different. I've never played with Floy Stonehand before, um, and he adds just something a little bit different. And I suspect a lot of people won't have. Will, will be the same, they'll lose the big hit, hard-hitting heroes, so Floy will hopefully neuter something from the army tomorrow and the King's mm. Champion can kind of just carry it. So who, so the, the King's Champion will replace Durin as the leader, but you're adding Floy in there to, to boost things up? Floy, and then I, I add about another 12 dwarves or something yeah. with the points, so I, I get a lot bigger army, I just don't have that big hero. Yeah, and I suppose the downside, of course, with this army is you lose the Hearthguard, so because they, they, they can't, well, you can have Kazadun, but they can't go two-handed, so um, that's really cool. And um, First of all, I'm, I'm intrigued, because you You've come all the way from Scotland. You can detect, detect the accent. And um, what what inspired you to come to this tournament over others? I um, well, I was listening to the podcast more than anything else, so it kind of got advertised to me. Um, <laughs> and then, well, uh, me and the the person I travel down with, we, we both just managed to get this weekend off, and we kind of get allocated our, our time off instead. Mm. So. Um, we had the weekend off. I don't mind tra- traveling a day down just to play some tournaments. So I'm used to coming down to England for things. So I thought I'd come down as a, just a fan of the podcast. I thought oh, well, the, well thank you very much. Supporting uh, Lord of the Imps because of uh, uh, Entmoot. That's brilliant news. Um, and what do you think of the format, the whole um, building a list and changing things out and, and swapping things over? And also this variant of the game that we just played, uh, the Imps uh, the, or, or Capture the Imp instead of uh, Seize the Prize. Uh, yeah, no, I, I loved it. Uh, the, the army building restrictions were really interesting, particularly because you just can't swap in a big hero for a big hero and I, I thought that was really nice um, it, it makes you have to think I think Kazadurim is a little one dimensional because the big hero is Durin and he, he's gone um, but my, I know my friend that I came down with he had a lot of difficulty with that and then I think the, the variant on this scenario with the imp running around um, it, it played a little bit into this scenario actually mm. when the imp jumped off behind Sauron mm. at the start um, but I, I suspect it's a lot it's, it's an improvement really you should join the, the rules team for that because, uh, <laughs> it yeah, I've played this before and lost on turn two a few times, particularly with dwarves. So 
Yeah, that, and, that, and that's what I was trying to get around because the, the, the whole idea of having an imp, a movable um, prize, basically, that, that you have to fight in combat and then capture in a bag um, just mean, means that there's that added element of, of you know, not being able to, like you say, have an eagle flap it, flap over, grab it, turn one, and fly off. Because I've I've had that happen to me a couple of times, and I just think, oh, that that kind of ruins the game in a way because it's a bit, yeah, like you say, it can be turned to that it, it all, it's all over really. Yeah, it just it, it's a bit disheartening, and you, the, I can't remember exactly how the points break up, but I think it's almost impossible to actually score a win by yeah. the secondary objectives. Yeah, and, if and you it, get it off the table, it's seven points to the winner. So yeah, yeah. And, and it makes sense the way you've done it. You know, it's an imp, it's running around, no one's got a good hold on it, so um, it, it makes it a lot more fun. Like, as I say, you know, it jumped off behind your guys at the start, so I kind of had to go after it. Exactly, yeah, and and you know, also the imp is of course linked to Lincoln. Lincoln's logo is the imp, so it all uh, that's the whole idea behind the tournament. I've got lots of imp-related content, and also you get to take home a, a slightly uh, shonky-looking uh, uh, imp model. But uh, well, it's not that bad. It looks actually, you know what? I think it's fantastic for what uh, what it looks like. Um, and thanks sure, for playing the game. Sure. I appreciate it. So you may start round number two if you so wish. If you're ready, round number two, Lord of the Imps is underway. Good luck, guys. So game two of Lord of the Imps and the Ringer Army, uh, the Shelob, uh, Sauron and Witch King Monstrosity has come up against George Shaw and your Angmar list. First of all, um, just run us through um, what you've been taking on day one and then what's going to die on for day two. Day two. Okay, so for day one, we've got Berda as the army leader and Gulivar as the uh, lieutenant. Um, so that's day two. We can have Berda die, um, very fortunate for him, and have Gulivar become the leader, ready to stand in the centre for Contest of Champions. Excellent. And bringing a shade with him. Yeah, so you've got no shade in this one, which um, I don't think actually played against you, really, but mm. something did, and that was Harbinger of Evil and oh, yes. Courage 2 Orcs. <laughs> Yes, no, uh, Harbringer really did a good job there. Uh, Gulivar got one charge off, which was about the time he died against Sauron. Mm. Um, yeah, no, Harbringer, fantastic ruler, especially against Angmar. Yeah, and with, with all my, my three guys causing terror, I've got the Ancient Evil from Sauron, which is an 18-inch range, and I've got the 12-inch one from which I can pretty much cover a, a massive period of the board. But crucially, I think those first two spells, I think I did a Chill Soul in the first turn. Yes, um, yeah. And I also uh, did an... A, uh, drain courage as well on Birda, so Birda never got char- uh, never got a charge off, and nor did uh, uh, Thingy because both of them lost uh, a, a courage point courage basically. Start, in the first yeah. So it was really tough, um, and then from there on it was kind of grinding away. Although having said that, the last turn was a real close <laughs> one because you just uh, broken, um, and Shelob had skulked around to the end of the board to capture an objective. This was domination we were playing, and and there were two archers on this objective. And if I didn't pull off the barge, well, win the combat against one of them, pull off the barge and charge them both, and, and then them kill both. them both, yeah. I would have been screwed and I'd have, I'd have lost by that one point. An incredibly risky play because she loves about 50 50 of her fights, I think, throughout. Mm. When she wins, she kills. But two attack, well, two attacks on the charge mm. is really risky play. But no, it really paid off. It, was really it, good. It, it did. I mean, really, I probably would have been safer just uh, taking the risk and letting them take the courage checks. But I, I kind of forgotten. I, I somehow I had my had in my mind that you bro- you weren't broken till the end of this turn. But then it was I was wrong. Yeah. I was wrong. <laughs> uh, so either way, and um, Sauron absolutely mullered everyone. Everyone he was in combat in most of the time. But Witch King, he was failing a lot of combat oh. though. 
I felt really sorry for the Witch King. He, he lost quite a few fights to basic Orc archers, which normally have no purpose in any army, frankly, given yeah. their uh, appalling shoot value. But uh, they, they, they did some damage to the Witch King today. Although, well, they, they did a lot more damage to your own troops. You managed to kill what, <laughs> a, a, a Warg and another Orc archer sure, just from I think shooting. There might have been two Orc archers in the yeah. end. I think three casualties self inflicted. Uh, and ironically, the only casualties inflicted fully. But yes, of the army, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Well, you, you, you can ca- count that towards your tally because obviously I've still got three models on the board. And um, but I'm, you know, I've, I've you've taken the Witch King down to no fate, which was a very close run thing. One more, uh, one more six or so, and you'd yeah, you'd have done really well. Praying for that wild wild to do it in that last round of combat. Just one six would have just shifted it a little mm. bit, but uh, no, no. It, it, up a good fight here. but I, it was a it was a really close game six five to me in the end i had three of the well two of the objectives you had two objectives i broke you uh, and i killed your leader yep. but you did take a wound off sauron um on a, on a double six yes. at one point yeah and um, which just evened out the odds just that enough just to, to, <laughs> to uh to take the extra point but make it make that last uh, turn really worth uh, really worth fighting over either way george fantastic game i, ho- I hope you um, enjoying the tournament generally I'm, I'm intrigued what brings you to this tournament was there a was there a specific thing that attracted you to this one? Nothing specific. Uh, Peterborough-based, so I'm pretty local to Lincoln. Mm. Uh, I have to travel a lot further for all the other tournaments. So Lincoln was quite nice. Uh, I know the area. Uh, I particularly like the rules pack. Um, changing the army in the second day really makes you think about what you're going to have to take. Um, so many different ideas that didn't make it to the table. Hopefully next year some more will come and have another go. Absolutely, yeah. That, that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping that it just encourages people to play something a bit different because mm. what I'm really happy about is I haven't seen any Army of the Dead, which is something that's doing really well in lots of other things, but of course really suffers. Limits uh, the options this Because you, yeah. you lose Aragorn, of course, and then you're left with King of the Dead and a load of things, so it's not, not quite great. as powerful, yeah. yeah. No, um, no, there's lots of different army lists um, here today, lots of different... Uh, lots of Minas Tirith and Elrond, uh, not Elrond, but Rivendell. Lots of, and Rivendell, yeah. but a good variety of everything else as well, mm. which is fantastic. Yeah, no, good stuff. Oh. Right, well, George, thanks for the game. I hope you enjoy the rest of the day and, of course, tomorrow's games as well. Thank you very much. Thank you. So the ringer is taking a break at Lord of the Imps uh, today. I've just started uh, the penultimate round, um, which uh, turns out is hold ground in the uh, event pack. I uh, did a dice off uh, to see whether it's hold ground or Lords of Battle, just to encourage that little bit extra variety so that people aren't tuning their army for one uh, objective-based one or one uh, killy-based list. So uh, I'm just going to take a tour of the place and maybe do a little bit of commentary on a couple of the matches. I'm going to talk to table number one a bit uh, and also have a bit of a laugh looking at what's going on uh, down the the bottom tables where we've got some crazy crazy armies going on so uh, we'll give you a tour and have a look around so hovering down on the bottom tables here just gonna have a, a quick gander at what's happening and we've got some all mounted heroes including Gandalf some elven heroes uh, Arwen Elrond and I think that's the one of the twins or maybe two of the twins against Dane on the pig with some iron hills uh, all clashing over whole ground in the center uh, at the bottom tables I've just seen a charge uh, from one of the twins trying to uh, a heroic combat off the nasty, nasty Iron Hills, needing sixes, of course, and struggling to get that heroic combat. Dane's up against an, uh, one of the twins uh, and is looking like he's going to do okay. Um, but generally, lots, lots going on here at the bottom. Oh, I see lots of sixes, rolling of sixes uh, here. Uh, 
Tom, just going to interrupt you for a second. How's it going on the uh, the bomb tables here? Well, in a, in a bit of a microcosm, it's going very well because I just won a combat against Dane with uh, one of the twins and Glorfindel. In a macrocosm, though, I have got five models left on the board in Hold the Ground against maybe triple that with Dwarves. So I'm taking the little victories as they come. Excellent stuff. And I just swap over to the other side of the board. Are you feeling confident? Maybe if Dane lives this combat, but otherwise it might snowball in his favour. It, it could it could well do. As soon as you lose that heroic strike, you're going to struggle against all those heroes. But you've got defence eight against elven heroes, so you might be doing okay. Hopefully. Fingers, we'll see. Fingers crossed. So I'll, I'll leave you to peace now. So we'll move over to one of the other games over the other side of the, the tournament. Uh, so this is table number six. Just going to interrupt you briefly, chaps, if that's all right. Um, uh, so we've got the Mahud up against uh, Minas Tirith here. Um, how's it going for the Mahud? Uh, it's going okay at the moment. My warband's come on behind all of his rangers and Madrill and done a lot of damage. Yes, I see some impact hits ha- potentially happening there, yeah? Already have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so that took a lot of rangers out. And there's a big line of Mahud with blowpipes and half trolls hovering over here with lots of spears and stuff in a line ready to descend on the central objective sure yeah that's the, that's the aim yeah if I can get past these uh, um, cavalry minister cavalry coming in with lances uh, yeah that'll be grand grab the barriers near the centre and try and hold it are you feeling confident confident enough yeah mm. we'll see what happens Darren how are you feeling not very confident <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave you in peace right just going to hover over to one of the other tables here uh, so just uh, just have a, give us a bit of an assessment of what's happening right now. Uh, I've got you've got Riders of Rohan sort of swarming over the board. How are you feeling? Um, a bit nervous because <laughs> I tried to take out Shagrat and he just mullered like four royal guard. Ooh, that's nasty. Four? Did yeah. he, he did he get the charge? No, I, I I had the charge. Oh no! I still lost them. You still lost a load of war. Yeah, so uh, let's just hover over here. So you're, you're in charge of the, uh, the killing Shagrat. Are you pretty happy with his performance, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing? stoked with him. He is really good. <laughs> he is really good. So you've uh, got a war band of guys surrounding Deowine and the Rider of Rohan uh, there in the corner and a banner that looks like it might go down any second. As we sweep across uh, Amon Hen, uh, we've got some archers mounted on the top of the seeing seat, firing arrows down into the central objective with a troll chieftain and Gothmog wheedling their way through and of course Gothmog giving all those nasty bonuses to his nearby orcs against those men so it could go badly for the Rohan there we'll see what happens going to sweep over the edges over here sorry to interrupt chaps Um, so I just want to give a bit of an update on what's happening here so we've got Thrandall's Halls against All Mounted Rivendell on a Goblin Town board so it's a crazy combination of theme and and armies there Sam how's it going for the Thrandall's Halls I'm getting shot to death at the minute but slowly advancing Right. Got, I think it's all going to come down to who's getting luckiest with the shooting, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. It's definitely a shootout game, this one. Um, I'm closest to the centre at the moment. I'm trying to hold it down, pin it down, shoot the guys as they're coming in. Um, Legolas took out Elrond's horse. Legolas took out Elrond's horse. That's a good start. But I don't see many other dead um, models. So four, uh, three Rivendell Knights dead, and are th- how many of the uh, these are dead? Ten, I believe. Ten, so three Rivendell Knights for ten Rangers-ish? Yeah, it's because like, usually the Merkel Rangers you can hide behind scenery, but because I've got to push forward, I'm getting shot as I'm approaching. Sad times. Well, uh, ho- see what we can do. We'll, we'll, we'll cock in with you later and see how it's going, chaps. Thank you very much.
so this is table number one, and it's a pretty unlucky draw uh, for Jeremy, because uh, Jeremy, you, you're running high, high at table one, but uh, you're on a board that's got a lot of shallow water, a lot of marshes, yeah. uh, you've got a lot of heavy armour and shields, and there's Wrath of Brunin doing the rounds. Yeah. Ha- has it been a negative experience so far for you? So, so far it's not been too bad. I'm few unlucky rolls in deployment, but I'm hoping to just collapse on him from all sides. That's the plan, at least. And this is the Minas Tirith army, and you've got Boromir hovering around, you've got Hurin as well, yeah. and you're up against, uh, is it Elrond? I can't see where Elrond. Elrond. Elrond and filthy, filthy Tom Bombadil. <laughs> what, 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 what inspired this heretical monstrosity? Well, everyone lives around Rivendell, right? I mean, seems pretty fluffy to me. <laughs> Sounds really fluffy. All right, I'll, I'll leave you in peace, because it's a table one. I don't want to interrupt table one's performances. We'll be back there later on. Uh, for a bit of a, more of an update in a few minutes' time on all of those games. One hour remaining, everyone. That's halfway through this round. One hour remaining. So, uh, we revisit the uh, tables. I've just seen the priority dice roll. Uh, how's it going, Tom? Uh, a little less terrifying this time. Dane's no longer on the table. Oh, that's a good thing for you. Always a good feeling, definitely, yeah. Uh, and I'm just about holding my own. Um, if I can keep this way of the dwarf line, I might be able to chip a few, maybe maybe take him down to breaking. I still don't think I'm going to be in a position where I can uh, get more numbers in the middle, but we'll do what we can. I see a Dwalin and a lot of high defence dwarves, though. Yeah, a Dwalin who moments ago I thought had zero fate left, and it turns out he's actually got two fate left, so even scarier than Dwalin on his own. Absolutely. I'll just come over to Ben's side of the battlefield to change to the dwarf perspective. Are you feeling confident? I know you've lost uh, Dane and his big old pig. Uh, slightly optimistic. I have the numbers on my side. And then hopefully Dwalin can pull it out of the bag and take a hero before he dies. I think that's good. Yeah, and you've got the objective. You, uh, there's a line of, well, two lines of uh, Iron Hills, Dwarves with shields and spears blocking off that central objective. And it's all about that central objective. So good luck, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, cheers. All right, let's, so that's moving over from that table. Uh, we'll revisit the Mahud and the Minas Tirith in the centre uh, in a second. I'm just seeing a half-troll moving over to that central objective. Um, Joe, how is it going here? I see the, there's, the, the Knights of Minas Tirith have retreated slightly. There's still a, a wave of Mahud uh, crashing over that central objective. How's it going? Uh, sure. So it's, I don't think it's going too badly at the moment. Uh, most of the, the ranger side of the force is gone because of the camels. Um, so I've just used a point of might for a heroic move that forced Hurin to use a point of might to then retreat. Um, so now I'm using my heroic move to go after the rest of his force. Excellent. There's still a lot of Fountain Court. There's still a Boromir. There's still a Hurin. There's some Knights. Uh, how are you feeling on this side of the battle, Darren? That's all true, and yet they're very far away from the central objective. Yeah, and you've just got that wave of uh, half-trolls in the hood with blowpipes and spears just, like I say, crashing over the central objective. Yeah, and I've just lost a hero with all three of his mites still remaining. To was a that cam- Madril? That was Madril to a king on a camel charge. So uh, it's not going well at the minute so Boromir needs to pull some out of the bag on this I was going to say luckily you've got some big heroes with strike which uh, is lacking on the Mahud side yeah well I th- he's got strike on his kings oh has he got strike he on the kings just, oh, I didn't yeah, know that he just hasn't got it on the Tribesmaster so uh, although Boromir is much higher fight than them but still there's a lot of Mahud around that central objective and I don't know if I have time to get through them all well there's uh, still half of the game to play an hour left good luck guys Right, let's moving down, uh, down again across the battlefield to uh, an, another hodgepodge of things going on here. I see lots of riders of Rohan. I still see a troll 
I still see, uh, uh, oh, do I see Shagrat? Is there a Shagrat still around? Shagrat Wallet, yes, he's over there. Uh, how's it going, Henry, with the, uh, well, with the Rohan charge? You're being surrounded a little bit by orcs, but there seems to be a lot less orcs than when I was last here. Yeah, so Day of Wine got squashed by all the orcs. I've charged a troll and trapped it twice, and out of about 20 dice, I managed to get one wound. So that's not too great. That's and, not ideal. Yeah, everything else has just started dying. Yeah, trolls are pretty tough to kill, especially when you're only strength three. Although you've got strength four on the charge, I suppose. Uh, looking from the other's perspective, how's the orc side doing? Uh, you've got some big heroes gone, but um, mm, there's still a lot of riders left to kill. Um, time of money is over. It's time of the orc. We are going straight in. <laughs> like, We've got the numbers, but I can't wound. Strength three is not well. Yeah, time, have you done? Have you called time of the I orc? I called it, yeah, and I managed to do nothing. So, ah, ouch! Yeah, it went wrong. Well, we'll <laughs> see what happens. We'll revisit you in a bit. Thank you very much. So, we'll move over to table number one to to return to the uh, the disaster. Oh, oh, this is a time to do it, is it? So, not, not a lot happening. We've got a line of elves uh, and a smattering of of. Minister of Squadrons all centred around the middle but we've got these pools of water um, and a Rathabruin and, and Bombadil is next to each other so I guess Bombadil's refuelling the will of Elrond so he's got unlimited uh, wrath how's it going so far? It's not, it's not unlimited but he's, he's, he's the Gondor will be very cagey and not want to engage so I'm just running towards the middle as quick as I can at the minute not a lot has happened really mm. not a lot it's all, all to play for Jeremy are you, 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 you're not looking like you're really excited or, or sort of really so, confident I should say I'm worried because Tom don't know how he's gonna just maybe hold up Boromir he may just hold him up where I can't get him into the lines but my plan is just try and collapse Zerg the line that's the only hope I have at this point <laughs> wow well good luck guys either way there so that's table one with the potential for a Wrath of Bruin and I'm just gonna watch this dice roll just to see whether the Wrath goes off here we go he's got a roll that's a big old six that's a big old six that's a scary, scary moment for the uh, Wrath of the Rune, and that looks like a whole squadron of Minister of Guys. I don't think there's even a captain in there at all, so all of those going down, very scary stuff. L luckily not in the water, though. Uh, we'll return in, uh, with about half an hour to go and see where those ma uh, matches are lined up. So we're back to the bottom tables with our dwarf uh, against the Heroes uh, Alliance. So I'll, I'll just uh, let, them, let them carry on, because we've just seen a heroic challenge declared and accepted which is pretty cool. I think it's a Dwarf Captain versus Elrond? Uh, Glorfindel. Glorfindel. Uh, oh, no, it's Dwalin and Glorfindel. So it's the other, other side of the battle that it's looking at. So uh, very interesting stuff happening on the bottom tables. Uh, I'll hover around and see what happens in that fight uh, any second. But, uh, of course, with the new FAQ, there's, there's more downsides. No stand fast if Dwalin accepts. But... Uh, sorry if he uh, re rejects that offer, but I think he's out of might, so he kind of wants to get the extra might, uh, I think, from this successful fight. But it's probably worth doing for uh, Tom on the elven side, because he really wants to not be surrounded by all those elves, uh, I think. So here we go, let's see what happens. Ooh. Oh, okay. So Glorfindel on the charge, he's got the dice, he's got the challenge. <clears throat> Dwalin's got three attacks, I think. He's going to go two-handed. He's going to go two axes, so we've got three of... Was it four dice? <gasps> oh, it's a triple six from the challenge side of it. So from the elven uh, knocking down Dwalin, this is not going to go well for Dwalin, I would suspect. So doubling the attacks. Will he get the three might back? This is the big question. 
Sixes. Here we're looking for sixes. Oh, I see one six. Oh, one six and two fives. Oh, Lord of the West, he's re-rolling one. Oh, it's a big four. So it's just one wound on Dwarling. One wound on Dwarling. Two fate left. So that heroic challenge will continue. We will return for the next round of the heroic challenge at Dwarling against Glorfindel. So we're back to the Rivendell Knights versus the Thranduil's Halls, without Thranduil, of course, day two. Uh, how's it going? Uh, you were t last time we spoke to you, we were talking about a shooting battle, though I see lots of archers moving, Sam. Um, I moved up, well, I did a heroic march, forcing you to come forward, and then I had one turn of blinding shooting where I took out like an entire flank of like knights, killing three of them and two horses, Ooh. and that was on the centre as well, so it's all back in the swing again. Tarrier had a quick little scuffle with Elrond and didn't manage to cause any wounds, but now it's all about killing in the middle, I think, isn't it? Yeah, Aaron, it sounds like it's not gone well for you the last couple of turns. No, last couple of turns he uh, made a comeback with his shooting. Um, so now it's basically everyone in the centre. We're going to uh, battle it out and uh, we'll just see who comes out on top now. There's quite a lot of Thranduil's Halls dead. Uh, getting probably quite close to the break point there. There's still a fair few oh, Rivendell Knights. Oh, you're already broken already, Sam. Oh, so a fair few Rivendell Knights there with the lances. It's really interesting, really. Uh, Elrond's not got a horse. It could, it's all to play for. We'll be return uh, before the end of the, uh, that round. We return to our heroic challenge. I see a lot less heroes on the table. There's two heroes left. Um, both of the twins, I think. Um, and a lot of dwarves still standing. So it's not looking so well for the, uh, for the Elven Alliance here. We've lost, uh, we've lost Glorfindel. So we lost we've lost one of the twins. Of the twins and Gandalf. Gandalf. We've got one twin. I think we've got Elra here and then Glorfindel. The only ones left on board. And the last fight of this round is... Dwarlin versus Glorfindel. So uh, we see the big roll. Is the going two-handed? Going two-handed. He's got four attacks on the charge. Oh, it's a big six from the elves. Oh, it's another chance to kill Dwarlin. So last time we took off a fate point, I think. Yes, we did. Knock down. Knock down. Here we go. Will it happen? Let's get those dice on the, on the mic. Oh, it's one six. One six. One fate. One fate point. Will this kill him if he dies? Oh, no, he keeps his fate. He keeps his fate. So it's another round, but hey, the elves are still surviving. And nobody can get involved in that fight until Dwarling goes down. So it's quite a, quite a good choice there from Tom uh, to call the heroic challenge. He gets a six of priority and a one goes to the dwarves. So it's looking like it's in the elven favour once more. But what he'll do with the rest of them, I just don't know. Here we go. We'll return for round three of the heroic challenge any second. We return to our heroic challenge. We're going two-handed with Dwalin. Let's see Dwalin's rolls. It's a five again. He's really struggled to get the six. <gasps> oh! Lord of the West, we will. We see a four high. He's got to get a five to win the fight. Oh, no. Bad time for the elves. Uh, this means Dwalin gets a good chance at chopping up uh, Glorfindel. Uh, he's trapped as well because he's surrounded by dwarves. Oh, I see a six One, and a five. Two, two fives and a six. And that's enough to take him down, I'd have thought. That's enough to take him. That's enough to dip into his fate supply. Let's see what happens. I roll all three. We've got three fate to go with Glorfindel. Here we go. Oh, it's a bad roll. It's a five and two twos. So, so he's got a wound left. So it's all to play for in this heroic challenge. But uh, with a few numbers of models on the board and uh, these scenario conditions, uh, it looks to me it could end this turn. So we might never see the end of this heroic challenge. It'll be very sad. It's a big five, so it carries on for another round of this heroic challenge.
Right, we return to the heroic, heroic challenge. Dwalin against Glorfindel. Glorfindel didn't get the charge this time. We're going two-handed with Dwalin. I see a five on the Dwalin side, but a six on Glorfindel's side of the combat. Oh, no knockdown. No knockdown this time. But there's no fate left either. Two ones. He's got a Lord of the West reroll to see if he gets something. It's a big five, but it's not enough to take Dwalin out. The fight continues unless a one or two is rolled. So it's all down to that what roll of one or two. It's a three and it carries on. We've got another round of this heroic challenge to come. So we return to the, what is almost certainly the final round of the heroic challenge. We've got Dwalin on one wound. Two wounds, two wounds, no fate. Glorfindel on one wound, no fate. And we've just lost the other twin. So it's just the elf uh, in, surrounded by dwarves. And the two, dice, two sets of dice go down. We get a six on both sides. It goes to Glorfindel. Goes Glorfindel on his higher fights. He's got two sixes with a Lord of the Rest re-roll. Ooh, he's got a one and a five and a six. Ooh, that's with the, with the re-roll as well. So it lasts another round unless, of course, the game ends too early. Ah, and there it is. That's the roll of the one, finishing it off. And we see, uh, we see Tom and Ben. Uh, clearly the victory goes to the Iron Hills army, which have got the central objective. Not much left on the elven side. How do you feel, Tom? Uh, I think they did pretty well, to be honest. Uh, I mean, we finished after half-time, which is, I think is pretty good with a, with a five-medal army, so I don't, I don't mind that too much. But yeah, good old Glorfindel's just sat there on his horse, chilling in the middle. Have you found the All Heroes of the West list? Dreadful. Yeah. Absolutely dreadful, Harry. <laughs> really terrible idea, especially for a two-day tournament. I think it would be really good in the hands of someone who knows what they're doing, but uh, yes, I was finding out what special rules there were the night before the tournament, so maybe not the most experienced mounted elf player yeah it's remembering your lords of the west re-rolls and things like that but uh, Ben over here with the Iron Hills and Dane you, you, we heard from you earlier you were a little concerned Dane had gone down but you did have the numbers advantage and of course that won out in the end yes definitely uh, disappointing Dane didn't perform yet again but then Dwalin held up he's been a star of the day so far and I hope it continues well well done on your victory I'll get the points tally for you but I'm sure it's, uh, it's relatively relatively high win but I think you've got some VPs though Tom because you've killed uh, a leader so right we'll <laughs> come back to you later then but we're continuing anyway uh, we, we just want to want to do the see who wins this heroic challenge uh, so we've got Dwalin and oh it's a double one uh, so Tom uh, with the elf gets to charge in the heroic challenge after the game has ended which means you get four attacks a six to Dwalin and a re-roll from Tom Goes to a four. It looks like Dwalin's probably going to take Glorfindel out. An ignominious end. There he goes. And Dwalin would have taken away the heroic challenge, come away with three might points and doing pretty well indeed. So the dwarves both win on the field and in the heroic challenge. Right, we return to the Mordor versus Rohan battle that's been battling out uh, over here. And I see no models left on the table, which means that a game has ended. How did it go for the Rohan side, Henry? Uh, not so great. Uh, what happened? Oh, I got mullered by a lot of a lot of the orcs. It's that strength five, isn't it, on those uh, Barador yeah. uh, black guards? Well, my royal guard went down so quick, and when they go, it's, it's a bit of a struggle. It's a bit of a struggle. Yeah, and all my guys were sort of just out of the objective, and then he had a, just one little warband that come around the edge, and just snuck into the middle, and just took it. Uh, so. Well, it sounds like a tough game for for the Rohan there, but. On the orc side, how are you feeling? You've got a you've got a good victory there. Uh, yeah, so it was break him and had four models on the objective, and it was a break and the game ended just sealed it. But did it end on the first turn you rolled for it? It, it ended straight the way on the first roll. Uh, both warlords unwounded, 
both for both of us and that was it really just game ended on a two and gone be honest if it, it carried on for another turn do you think you'd have still had it uh, I had a lot right near the objective I had about Shagra about 10 plus Blackguard maybe in the area like so, so even if it carried on it would have been a, a win to the Mordor side but uh, good, good fight good fight generally yeah it was really good yeah Excellent. Right, thanks very much for talking to me and following the progress of this game. We'll get your points. So we're running up to the end of the uh, the fourth round here. We've got just about uh, ooh, f- half an hour left, I think. Uh, and it looks like on the Thranduil's Halls versus Rivendell Knights, there's... Ooh, I'm just looking. I've seen models being oh, he's removed. Put, he's put some away already. He's put some away already. <laughs> Sam, uh, on the Thranduil Hall side, what's happened? Who has come out on top? Uh, Aaron's just pinched it right at the end. Which like, um, I pulled all these archers in, and that suddenly boosted my numbers up. But then I lost a lot of combats, and you got a lot of lance challenges and killed off a lot of guys. Mm. Including Tauriel slipped up in her last combat with five attacks. Like, she got her five highest, and then she was murdered by Aurons and two knights. Uh, yeah. And that, and, and that happens. Aaron, uh, you, you, we last spoke to you, we did, you just had a load of knights go down to some, a pretty rough round of shooting, but it sounds like you've picked up in the end with those lances. That's right, they got payback in the end. Um, winning priority at the end, getting the charge off with the knights. Um, just guaranteed, well, give me the edge on winning the fight, which they did. Killed a load of his guys, which were on the centre. Um, then we had a big fight at the end with Aurons and two knights versus, I can't remember her name. Tariel. Um Luckily, I won the fight, <laughs> and uh, yeah, just mopped up at the end. What was the score in the end, then, gentlemen? Six nil. Um, if I had not lost a few more, it could have been easily been three all. If I got two more kills, would have been just ever so slight victory. But well, that's exactly how it is. And did it come down to a, a, the ending of the round the first time you rolled that dice? Sorry? Uh, so you rolled a one or two the first time? Or was it like second time. Second it? time, second time. So quick end there. 6-0 victory to the Rivendell Knights. So we're back to table one. Uh, we've got the, they've got the elves. There's, there's an awful lot of models left and half an hour left in the game. Um, Jeremy uh, with the Minas Tirith. I see quite a lot of bodies still. What's happened? Have you killed anyone yet? <laughs> He's killed four guys. Yeah. And I've killed one elf. Wow, so we're an hour and a half in, and you've only just hit. Huron's lost his horse? Huron's on his horse, and he's one wound, fighting an elf for four turns. He's been really far out of the centre as well, so that's... Uh, that's and, it's, uh, and the same with Boromir as well. Boromir's relatively close to the... Bo- Sorry, uh, uh, so Elrond, Elrond is lurking near the pond, Elrond unsurprisingly. Elrond and Tom are both lurking around the central pond where the objective is, so I think Jeremy's a bit wary of coming into this pond because obviously a nice strength hit Rafa Bruin and will put anyone off yeah I think that will do it um, it's, it's looking tense at the top tables only half an hour remains and they've still got a lot of a lot of killing to do so let's revisit the Mahud versus the Minas Tirith uh, last time we saw the uh, the wave of Mahud washing over the central objective uh, Darren it's 20 minutes left on the Minas Tirith side how's it going it's going about as well as it was before I've killed a few more models but they're pretty much inconsequential when it comes to the central objective so it's just whether I can get enough models in combat in and around 6 inches to probably deny the triple models at this point right I see so you've got a few knights there and Hurin um, who are looking like they've got a potential of good good reach on that that central objective Um, so I guess it's a matter of how many they kill 
Yeah, if they Huron's could, out of might, which doesn't help. Huron's out of might. Yeah. You've got fight three on the knights, and they've got fight four on the Mahood as well, haven't fight they? Fight five on the half trolls. Five so on the half trolls as well. So, mm, it's a close, it's a close one. But you've got Boromir able to move in as well with the strike potentially. Uh, have you got might, might left got, on him? He's got might, and so, he's got the banner, and he's got the banner. So, so all to play for. Yeah, I'll give you that. 20 minutes left. I'll move over to the Mahud side, Joe. Uh, you've just heard Henry's slightly downbeat um, uh, uh, attitude of it. What, how are you feeling? Um, I'm still confident at the moment. We'll see what happens in the next couple of turns if we've got enough time left. Um, mm. I mean, I'm swarming the central objective at the moment, but I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place because the Minister are coming in on both sides. Yeah. And you've got knights on one side with Huron, uh, Fountain Court on the other side with a few Minister Earth warriors and uh, Boromir on the other. So yeah, literally, you're the you're the anvil. And I guess if if you've got if you run out of time, then it might uh, might affect the game. Yeah, we'll see we'll, we'll see what happens. But I won't play for time. Let's no. have a fun game. No, no, let's have a fun game, and I'll stop interrupting because the time is crucial here. That's 15 minutes remaining on this battle. With just two of the games uh, still running in the end of uh, this round, we've been following in Lord of the Imps. Uh, we've got two games left. We've got table one, where very little's happened in over, over an hour and a half. Ten minutes remaining uh, over there in the Elven quarter. I'll return to the Minister versus the Elven a second. Well, let's uh, dip into Minister versus the Mahud. This is a tense moment. Uh, I won't ask them any questions because I know this is a crucial period of time. But Boromir's there. Uh, the Hurin is there. Uh, we're just hearing a roll of priority. There's still Mahud, but I've just noticed quite a few of them going, uh, the Mahud dropping. And uh, the six goes to Darren uh, for priority, which means that uh, Minister has priority. And of course, crucially, we've got three mounted models plus two extras in there, ready to potentially charge in there. So it's uh, all to play for with 10 minutes remaining. Moving over to table one. Uh, I won't ask them any questions, but. Six elves dead, and ooh, about double that, maybe just over double that, uh, just under double that uh, in the Minas Tirith camp. So uh, it's all to play for, but actually looking at it, I think the Minas Tirith have more guys next to the objective currently. Currently. We're charging through. It's charging through. Jeremy, how's it going? So Tom's in with Boromir. I'm trying to get seared in with the knight, and I'm just trying to wrap around and just push him off slowly yeah. that's the plan at least it's, you've got 10 minutes remaining so I won't ask you too many more questions I'll leave you be leave you be. we will return uh, to find out the conclusion of both of those games see what happened in the last moments so we're back to table one the time has been called uh, you had the final turn uh, uh, Jeremy and how did it go Jeremy first of so, all we know that it was you were avoiding that water like the plague with yeah. that Wrath of the Bruin around so I think the issue was I had Huron to call a heroic combat with five guys there he lost the combat, and also Ingold lost his hero combat because I could have swung the favor where I just pile and kill so many more elves. And I think just Boromir just like was isolated by Tom Bombadil was just really rough because Tom just runs straight at him, control zone, control zone, control zone. It was just tough. Yeah, a, t a tough matchup, and and with the water around, uh, Tom Bombadil with the uh, replenishing Elrond's capabilities of doing that Wrath of Bruin must have worked really well for you. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie and say I wasn't fortunate with the set up of the board uh, with Tom and Elrond it gave me so much control but with the objective being in the water mm. it gave me a lot of control over where my opponent was allowed to go essentially yeah I mean, it's, it sounds like a rough draw but hey it must, it must have been well fought yeah. game by the sounds of it on Jeremy's it was very part. close yeah last turn I just managed to push him off the objective essentially yeah. and the two failed heroic combats were massive that was massive yeah. like, if, if, if Huron got in he would have slaughtered probably two elf archers Ingold probably another two elves three elves 
all my guys would have piled in. Would have maybe evened up. Hard to say, but... Hard to say. Yeah. It does sound like it could have been a big swing there, because I remember when I last saw it, there were mostly Minas Tirith warriors around around this pool uh, where the objective is sat in the middle of. So, but it seemed like you pushed them off in the end. Elrond had a, an, a massive wrath at the end of the game, and he called a heroic combat and killed, I think, three or four warriors. So he pushed that flank on his own back, essentially, and allowed me to win the game, yeah. What was the final score then? Uh, the final score was 8-0. 8-0. Well done. Well done, guys. And, and, and thank you very much for taking part in this commentary yeah. round. Cheers, thank you. Cheers. So uh, the final of the commentary round, uh, the penultimate round of the tournament, um, catching up with the final battle, the Mahud versus the Minas Tirith. Looking at where it is, there's still a lot of Minas Tirith creeping in through these barriers, but there's a lot of uh, Mahud still surrounding the objective. How did it end up? Uh, Darren, we'll go down for us. It ended with a loss. Yeah. Uh, it was a really close final round, and it was, it's so close because there are 16 Mahud models and there are 13 Gondor models. And a couple of combats go the other way, and I could have got a victory out of it. And Boromir got hit by a king, and his horse got taken out, which meant he couldn't fight in the final round because of his throne rider. And if that doesn't kill that horse, because I pulled the king out of combat with Boromir, if he doesn't kill that horse, then there's a chance. Um, it was such a close end to the game and it was really good um, but it just wasn't to be wasn't to be wasn't to be but the Mahud are pretty happy with themselves I'm guessing do you think had uh, we not we, well had we had maybe more time in the round that it might have uh, still stayed in your ball or uh, the ball in your court as it were uh, I couldn't say for sure but I know that if it had gone on for another turn or possibly two turns that uh, Boromir is still fighty enough he could have swung it because he, he's well capable of wiping out two models at a time even without any might um, and yeah, it was, there wasn't very many models in it, so easily, easily could have swung it the other way. Easily. Well, uh, thanks very much for letting us catch up. We've got a final round, so uh, good luck in the rest of uh, the final battle of the tournament. Cheers for talking to me. Thanks very much. Cheers, guys. So uh, we're all ready for the last round. It starts at exactly half past, which is in two minutes' time. Uh, we do need, though, to decide which scenario we're going to be playing. So we've either got weak on or to the death. Who wants it to be weak on? Who wants it to be to the death? Yeah. Oh, there's more for the to the death. Okay, so tails is to the death, heads is recon. Tails to the death, heads recon. Here we go. It's on the floor, it still counts. It's spinning! It's spinning! It counts. What is it, guys? Heads. Heads. It's recon. It's recon, everyone. Good luck, the round starts now. Recon. And with that, uh, well, a, a game after that, of course, that uh, announcement. Um, on a megaphone, by the way, I managed to uh, borrow a uh, sort of, I uh, like those American police megaphones um, for the tournament. So that was pretty awesome. Um, so after that, the final round, uh, Recon, uh, the the tally was pretty pretty decisive, actually. In uh, uh, Well, not decisive, sorry. It was pretty damn close in the end um, for the... the the top few places of the tournament, but I'll run through some of the uh, uh, some of the different uh, the, the different tallies. So, um, the person who uh, came on the bottom position of table uh, position thirty, which does include me and the second ringer Ian, um, uh, who Ian, by the way, I'll quickly thank him um, for all of his help running the tournament because Ian uh, was looking after the shop and he was doing different things, helping me out and uh, looking after us and getting in early and all this sort of stuff just for the tournament to run smoothly. So, big thanks to Ian from. Um, from Imps Gaming uh, pleasure and he also managed to get a win from his game as a ringer so that was pretty cool um, uh, and also of course I, I managed to get two wins from my games as well uh, 
ringer. I didn't record all of the interviews afterwards just because there was so much to do that I just couldn't, I'm afraid. Um, but I hope hope you got a bit of a flavour of the action, in particular um, the, the, as I call it, the commentary round, which I was really, really enjoying um, doing that commentary. I, it's a shame. I think definitely, definitely, if I'm hosting this next year, which I really hope to do, I'll get a guaranteed ringer. Um, to make sure that the whole podcast is a bit more like that. Um, I know it's been a bit of a weird podcast because you've got me waffling for ages right at the start um, about tournaments and stuff. But I, I think I could have split this into two podcasts. But to be honest at this stage, I just want to get it out. So hopefully you enjoy it. Um, I, I think I might just put in the notes that, uh, to fast forward to, to the middle uh, if you're not so bothered by the other stuff. But hey, at least, uh, at least people get loads and loads of content out of this podcast, um, even if maybe the first hour uh, or 45 minutes is a bit waffly uh, the second i hope uh, the second sort of half i think i think we'll make up for the rest of it um sorry i lost track of where i was going there so thomas pottage goes with the spoon uh, that was the the table 30 thomas pottage well done tom um you might have heard him there in that heroic challenge epic fight uh, his army consisted of uh, some pretty uh, filthy heroes but um I think Tom would be first to admit that he'd never played the army before and he wasn't sure how really they work. He forgot about Lord of the West and things like that. Um, and I, I, don't, I don't think um, anyone uh, anyone would find that uh, running that kind of army easy. But um, Tom definitely struggled with zero wins and nine VPs in the end. But either way, he got an absolutely gorgeous spoon, um, a wooden spoon that... With great thanks to Jack Darlington, um, who had to drop out after day one because of work issues that he had to be called into work. Um, uh, Jack painted up this spoon um, wonderfully. Um, his army was also one of the ones that was very highly rated in terms of best painted miniatures and so on. So, um, so on to the next award. If I run up the rankings, in at uh, number 16, so pretty much halfway through the tournament with three wins considering he didn't play the first day he got three that's a whole half of the uh, tournament so really well done to dave sweeting and also uh, won the best painted miniature um and you may have seen on on my facebook page uh, on the MU facebook page um there's a real rogues gallery of of paint jobs but the standard of painting and modeling was absolutely phenomenal at this tournament i I I no, I just couldn't believe it. Um, there were so some of the best armies were included, uh, and in fact, I'll get I'll mention the best army now because that's Sean Sproul, Sproul or Sproul. I can't remember how to pronounce it, Sean. So apologies. Uh, I know you said you listen as well, which is even more embarrassing. But either way, Sean, I spoke to you earlier um, in the podcast as well. Uh, and your you your dwarves with the little backpacks. Um, people really love the mining uh, dwarves, and they got little hammers instead of axes. Uh, so loads of pictures of them on the. Um, on the uh, the old Facebook page uh, gallery as well. Uh, Dave Sweeting, best painted miniature for a, a fantastic Spider Queen. Really striking colour scheme um, on the Spider Queen. Um, these, uh, that was teaming up with a load of Moria Goblins, which were also equally gorgeous. They were they were just really, really lovely. And, and in fact, most of the armies were absolutely outstanding. Aaron Pullen, who uh, came in fourth in the end um, on uh, tournament points, uh, he was narrowly pipped to the post for both best army and best painted miniature um, because I think, I, I guess, people were voting for both 
either or the other um f- so you know sometimes you kind of want to give two people a vote rather than just both in the same person so i think aaron suffered from that that a lot of people went for sean's uh thematic dwarven um, miners army and dave's uh, uh miniature for best painted so uh aaron but aaron's rivendell knights were absolutely gorgeous they've got branches and twigs and sort of birds floating about and all this it just again look at the uh the, the pictures and there are loads of lovely armies um, so really well done to everyone who came and painted an army especially for it they're, they're absolutely beautiful um oh i'll quickly mention harry west as well because um he's got some beautiful lothlorian um lothlorian models as well uh fantastic i i know there were a lot of other really high quality uh things uh army scott johnson see this is why <laughs> this is the problem uh scott's army army of thor is incredible um uh this is the problem with the tournament was there were so many really lovely really lovely models so um well done to everyone um who bought an army and painted it they just looked fantastic and um, so on from those to the most sporting award and uh, now this was neil mclaughlin uh, i think that's how we pronounce it mclaughlin um and neil uh, neil was an absolute uh, pleasure to to meet um I, i've met him before and i think i've played him once before as well um i'm trying to think what the situation was when i did but either way it's an absolute uh, a great laugh uh, uh, so i'm not surprised they got them uh, one of the most sporting uh, in the tournament but uh, actually that was a really really close one because um there was a uh, i think from memory i'll have to actually have a quick look now um from memory they were really really close for the uh, for the sporting awards and stuff like that so uh, i have got it right right with me but either way um it was it was very very close um for uh, the 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 sporting votes i think it was Neil got like three and other people got most people got two or one so so it was, yeah, it was really good um, and then we're getting right to the top uh, to Jeremy Wong and Thomas Kemp and Jasmine Tetley now and um, all of whom got 15 tournament points um, so they all got a win. Uh, they all got a, a, a outstanding. I think so. Five wins. They all got five wins out of six. Um, and it, the tiebreaker went down to VPs scored. So you want to rather than VP difference, which I know uh, used in other tournaments. I decided VPs scored because I wanted people to do everything. I wanted to get all the objectives, not just uh, not just minimize other people's objectives, because then you can get away with things like you know. Um, I don't know, scoring a a one nil win or whatever. I don't know. I, I just I just feel like that more score more score is better um, for me anyway. Uh, so uh, then the the tie came down to Jeremy Wong having forty one VPs, um, Thomas Kemp having also forty one P- yeah, VPs. Really impressive, really impressive stuff there. Um, uh, the sporting vote was the tiebreaker for the third tiebreaker. So uh, Jeremy just lost out to second uh, place. So Jeremy was on third uh, because he had one fewer sporting votes than Thomas. Um, and uh, up in the lead was Jasmine Tetley with 15 TPs and 54 victory points, which is really quite quite astounding. You know, if you think in five, five wins, you've got uh, 54 uh, victory points. That's pretty good. Um, so, you know, out of a possible 66, uh, uh, Jasmine only dropped 12 in the whole tournament. So uh, really well done. Um, so Jasmine, an, another winner uh, after quite a few, uh, I think I've spoken to Jasmine twice at, at tournaments that, that she's won. So really well done. Um, there was a bit of a, gr- a collective groan afterwards when I said uh, a big thank you to Jasmine for helping me uh, write the rules pack. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a wonder. It's like the rules writer gets to win the, the tournaments. Uh, not making any comments, of course, about any other members of our Middle Earth uh, Strategy Battle Game community. But uh, hey, there you go. Um, 
Jasmine, well done. Uh, it was actually a very well-deserved win. Um, and because I, I think Jasmine was one of the few people who, who took notice of the fact that the VPs uh, scored rather than VP difference was the, uh, was the first tiebreaker. And that wasn't something that she included and uh, uh, recommended either. So I chose to do that. So uh, well done to that. Um, I'm, again, I'm rambling after such uh, a long and exciting bit in the middle where the commentary was happening. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Um, I absolutely loved hosting a tournament. Um, uh, so I think it's there's a, a baptism of fire to an extent um, in the sense that there's lots to learn um, there's a few things that I will definitely improve for next time but either way um, it went I think it went pretty smoothly there was what there wasn't really any problems other than um, uh, having to ring her for someone one person who dropped out um, on the second day and one person who didn't turn up to the second day so either way I was ring ring both days um, other than that having it, it would have been great to have a, a volunteer a ringer um, it would have been um, yeah but you know what I can't think of anything else that was that was really an issue um, I did a survey afterwards or a few couple of couple of minor points mentioned about things like um uh, making the quiz different and making sure it doesn't drag on and uh, and, and some other some other comments which I'll, I'll really really will take on board because um, I, I really hope that anyone who came along to it enjoyed it um, and I also hope that if you didn't make it to it that you will um, you'll consider coming next time because I, I think just from the, the the sound of hearing everyone's um, uh, talking in uh, in the podcast that you'll think that, that they've never enjoyed themselves and I think I think people did we had an epic raffle at the end where I gave away loads and loads of prizes like like uh, uh, out of production models and and uh, an Entmoot T-shirt, which I'll, I think I'm gonna gonna get a few more of those and give them out for prizes in the, in uh, in the episodes in the future. So uh, we'll do that again. But um, really big well done uh, to all of the players who turned up. Um, top ten was Sam Hoodie, Martin Seed, Sean Sproul, Harry Johnson, young Harry Johnson, uh, George Strongberg. Uh, Luke Midgley, Aaron Pullen, Jeremy Wong, Thomas Kemper, Jasmine Tetley. So uh, in order. So really well done to all of you. Um, and I think that's pretty much it. There's no, obviously no riddle in the dark this episode. I just haven't got around to it yet. So uh, the next episode I will do the riddles in the dark and it will return. Uh, other things, a uh, bit of housekeeping. Uh, next tournament will be the Scaring of the Shire, a Halloween-themed uh, tournament in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so I'll be doing a podcast from that. Uh, James Wilson and the East Anglia Hobbit community has organised that one, so that should be a good one. It's going to be a competitive tournament with a relatively low field, uh, r- low turnout. I'm looking at, uh, unless loads of people suddenly turn up in the last few weeks, um, it's a hundred-point tournament, which means it's a competitive tournament. Um, so some of the big, uh, big guys in the league will be going uh, with a hope to uh, bolster their positions in the league. So that'll be interesting. It'll, uh, I'm going to take something completely opposite to that something thematic and uh, something a bit different and fun I think so there's that coming up um, then uh, a couple of weeks after that I'll be doing uh, the uh, war no no sorry Stirling first Stirling uh, going up to Scotland uh, with a big old minibus of people going up to Scotland that should be great fun uh, for the scouring of Stirling uh, that's another big big tournament that's going to be um, the Scottish system open so a free ticket on offer for Ardicon next year which is very exciting uh, so a lot of people want to want to get that and secure that, so that'll be cool. Um, and after that, it'll be War in Reading, which is a, a small low points tournament. So I might be whipping out some hobbits for that because the new characters I've finally got the new characters, so I'll be painting them. So that'll be very exciting. So uh, that's pretty much it. Um, also, I'll be on the Green Dragon podcast uh, very soon. Um, we, we've, we're cooking up something behind the scenes, so that's good. Um, so looking forward to uh, joining the, the Green Dragon podcast again. I'll share that on my feed and stuff like that uh, once. once 
once it comes out. Uh, so other than that, thank you very much for listening to another episode of Entmoot. And uh, I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time, or perhaps, depending on how long it takes me to do this podcast, a few days' time. Um, but in the meantime, don't forget to to, to like me on the the old Facebook and uh, all that sort of stuff. Keep a tab on, on things. I'll try and post some pictures of things as they come, as and when. Uh, and also, boo <laughs>